Hello and welcome to the Green Actor's Guide to Living in New York City, a new podcast hosted by myself, Kevin Muldoon, with guest hosts every week, of which we'll go ahead and go over the various topics on a weekly basis, kind of like a top five countdown. Now this podcast, just to give you an idea of what I'm looking to do here, is kind of a, a recap of the events that not only got me up to New York City, but what it's like to actually live here. Uh, a lot of people often dream of moving to New York, and it doesn't have to be New York necessarily, but I think a lot of this advice will uh, will work for L.A., Atlanta, other big cities that come to mind, um, and especially if you happen to be an aspiring actor. Uh, I'm definitely what I would call a green actor, uh, as in uh, limited experience, mostly uh, in civic theaters, so I'm trying to uh, trying to expand on that quite a bit, so that's, um, that's kind of what I'm about, and uh, I've been meeting people um, between the various locations I've lived and worked. And I try to uh, get them involved in getting onto the, the podcast and discussing their own insights as to um, things that are not only just specific to actors, but people that are moving to big cities, people that want to do life changes. And I think some of these things might actually uh, uh, help out in your own life as far as um, y your personal career goals and things of that nature. So um, without any further ado, I'll get into what this week's top five issues are or top five topics. And uh, the number one topic is headshots. Uh, that would be basically the most important thing that any actor is, needs to have is a, a good headshot. It's your calling card. It's your identification. Um, and we go over that in better detail uh, with the guest host and myself. Um, number two is finding apartments and how difficult that is in New York City. Number three, student films and is it worth working on them. Number four, navigating the subways which is no easy task. And number five, what is success? In other words, how do you value it? Um, is it just money-based? Is it, is it family? Is it camaraderie? Is it having your name in lights? How do you truly define success? So we go over those, those five topics today with my guest host, uh, John LaPale, a fellow actor, uh, and as well as a, a former uh, Navy man and um, a world traveler and a funny man as well. So uh, we're going to go into that interview right now. I do want to give you a heads up. The audio is a little shaky. Um, it's my first time using this software. I promise we'll have it down better next week. But as for now, um, there's a little bit of uh, some high, high pitches when John talks, and I apologize for that. And I think at some point um, I repeat myself, repeat myself, repeat myself. Ha ha. All right, everybody. This is the main part of the show. It's the Hot Five, the topics of the week that you want to hear about with our special guest, John LaPale. And my guest host this week is actually a good friend of mine, uh, Mr. John LaPale from Ocala, Florida. Say hi, John. Hey, how you doing, Kevin? Doing great. Florida. So, uh, yeah, you're in the uh, Sunshine State, but where it's always raining, right? Yeah, just much, pretty much every day, yeah. <laughs> Hey, so John, tell me a little about yourself. You've been with Ocala Civic Theater for how long now? Ooh, more than 20 years. You okay. think I'd learned something by now. Yeah, at some point, yeah. at some point. Oh, 20 years. Started out doing a lot of tech, and then the uh, last 15 or 20, been doing uh, doing actual stuff in front of the curtain and having a great time. 
That's awesome. Um, and you also host the uh, the Harvey Awards. How did you get into that? Yeah, well, I've been doing that close to 20 years, too. As a matter of fact, it's an annual award ceremony we have. Instead of the Oscars, we have the Harvey. Instead of the Tonys, we have the Harveys. And uh, we give the awards out for best shows and best actors and all kinds of performances for the season. Realizing it's all volunteers. Right. Well, excellent. Um, all right, so uh, with that information, so you you have a lot of theatrical experience. Do you have any um, commercial video, TV, film, any experience like that? No, very little. Most all of my almost all of my stuff has been uh, has been community theater. I've done a lot of other murder mysteries and dinner theaters and things like that, but for the most part, it's uh, it's volunteer work. Okay. I'm a, I'm a nonprofit. I didn't start out that way. It wasn't my intention. But. Yeah. Well, um, well, that can actually kind of lead us into our, our first topic, which uh, uh, this week is going to be headshots. Now, headshots in community theater may not be a necessity like it is in L.A., Atlanta, or, or New York. Um, did you ever get headshots done, out of curiosity? I've had some done, but, it, but you're right, though. We don't do headshot, headshots as a big thing in community theater because when you go to auditions here, you do the audition, you, you fill out your information sheet, your resume, basically, and then they take a small picture of you just to have it on the front of the form so they know who they're talking to and who they saw perform. It's a reminder. It's not a professional headshot. So they have very, we, we use them very little in, in the community theater. So, But I've done a couple, of, you know, to have available in case you need them. Yeah. Um, well, I, I also uh, did uh, six shows at Ocala Civic Theater, a couple with you, and um, I didn't think much of headshots either. I just kind of thought this is, uh, you know, this is this is just like a senior, senior yearbook picture. You know, I didn't think very much about it. And boy, was I wrong, uh, especially in the digital age that we're at in right now, where a lot of your auditions are done online, and not even the auditions, the pre-auditions. So, for example, on a, a a website like Backstage.com, you'll put together a profile that'll have your resume on it and uh, several of your headshots as well as a video reel and even audio reel from time to time. And the headshot is the number one thing they look at. So they'll get, uh, let's say, like a, they'll put out a casting call, let's say some agent for a TV show, they want somebody in a speaking role, and they'll get, say, 50 submissions. And on one of the emails, uh, there'll be just a little tiny uh, small picture and before they even open the email or decide to throw it away, they have to like that picture. Otherwise, they don't even open the email to see anything more about you. That's yeah, how yeah. crucial these headshots are. And um, when I most recently did headshots uh, down in South Carolina, I had gotten a professional photographer who did mostly weddings. And he gave me um, what I thought was a good headshot, but it turned out it was basically um, – I look like a used car salesman, a really happy used car salesman, but uh, not the New York look. Um, which has has a, its own kind of identity altogether. And uh, when I went in front of some legit agents, which uh, there was, uh, I went to um, one of the studios. They put together a legit agent night once a, once a month, and you get to do a quick monologue in front of them, and then they see your headshot and your resume. And uh, I got ten feedbacks from ten different agents, and every one of them said I read great. Every one of them said the resume looked good. But every one of them said that my photo made me look older than I was, not nearly as vibrant and stuffy, um, almost like it was a J.C. Penny catalog and not for somebody who was vibrant and, and alive. Yeah, uh, you know? I'm just wondering, did you ever get any feedback from them as to, as to using an actual action type shot? Like where someone 
took a photo of you during the performance or, or in some kind of a natural thing so it doesn't look like a posed picture? Right. Um, now, I've asked, uh, I didn't ask the agents that, but I talked to several other actors about that. And um, that's not, uh, that's not preferred. I even asked about um, splitting the headshot. So that way, maybe if you, you put it in the, in the quarters, so let's say you've got in your top left quarter, you've got maybe the serious shot. And then the bottom right corner, you got the funny shot. And then maybe a black and white. Um, and put it all on an 8x10. Uh, that one also seems to be troublesome to certain uh, certain casting agents. I don't exactly know why, because I think it offers a variety. Maybe it's just too much going on. I'm not quite sure. But, um, yeah, you're only just looking for facial features and how it would play and what you, you know, who you might play against, I guess. Yeah. And so it was, uh, that's, been a, that's been a headache. And uh, I actually just worked with a guy today, a friend of mine named Richard Cole who set me up with a, a really uh, amazing deal as far as getting shots done, great editing work, and um, uh, he'll be able to offer, for people in New York, he'll be able to offer similar uh, packages through me uh, for, for getting headshots done, which I know a lot of the, the younger actors in this area really want yeah, to oh, focus on. If you know the guy and he does good work, that's, that, that's a great thing to do. It's a great asset for guys, but you know, it's nice if somebody's inexpensive and fun to work with, but right. the final product is the, is the answer. I mean, what's it look like, and does it really look like you? Because, I mean, that's your, that's your calling card. Yeah. yeah I, don't, I guess you leave physically, leave, either leave one physically back after an audition, or you've got it online, but once you get your 30 seconds in the sun, or two minutes, and you're off, that's all i got to remember you by. And they look at it, it's got to be quality, and looks like you cared enough to, to do a good, you know, a good picture to represent yourself, because that, that's all i got to look at. Yeah, absolutely. So it's, um, uh, just, you know, as a, a green actor trying to make it in New York, uh, the number one thing that, that was really stood out to me as must be done correctly and spend the most amount of time, money, effort, whatever you need to, uh, it was headshots. It is headshots. Yeah, everything I've read or heard over the years has been the same. you, you got to treat that with respect, and that's in a very, very important part of the process of getting hired. Yeah. Um, all right, so let's move on to uh, uh, topic number two this week. Um for me, this is uh, near and dear because I've been in uh, New York City for just over uh, three weeks now, um, and that's finding apartments. Now, coming up from uh, Florida, finding an apartment online, no easy matter. Um, but to start me off, I, I got an Airbnb, which uh, I think you're familiar with that site, right? Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And that's basically a site where people will rent out their rooms for a certain fee, and they can get feedback just like you would on eBay. So it's fairly trustworthy. And um, you pick the location, you pick the price, and you, and you work it out. So I got my first month here. Now, the prices tend to be a little bit higher because they're not looking for deposit first month, last month, you know, yeah. security, all that stuff. So the prices are a little higher than you'd averagely pay. And um, I have no complaints whatsoever about the people that I'm with. They're fantastic. But finding a permanent apartment is incredibly difficult. Now, I've found I have uh, three major setbacks that hopefully most people don't have to run into. Um, one is terrible credit. Uh, two, I have two small dogs, and three, I'm an actor without a steady paying gig. So finding set income source is not sounds a like a typical New Yorker. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, they most people um, uh, things that maybe people that don't live in New York need to learn about when coming up here. Uh, they often ask you for um, to have income source of forty times your rent. So, for example, if your monthly rent is $1,000 a month, you need to be making annually 40 times that amount. Yeah. So 40000 to to get into a $1,000 a month place. Or have what they call a guarantor, which is basically a cosigner to cosign for you for that amount. And that's standard across the board. 
um, and then come all the fees, first month, last month, deposit, uh, credit background check, sometimes there's a broker fee, and before you know it, you know, getting into a, let's say, $1,000 apartment will literally cost you upwards of five to $6,000. Mm-hmm. It's uh, yeah. It was shocking. That's not thousand dollars doesn't get you a lot, depending on where you are. Too. No, and that's and yeah, that's that's definitely on the low end. Um, and, and that's uh, what I did manage to find was a pretty darn good deal in Astoria. Um, that I'm going to be moving into over the next few days, and I've got a whole basement to myself. Um, it's it's a shared house with a couple other roommates, but it's uh, it's pretty much the only way I could get it done. And, and I'm actually really happy. This worked out really well. But one of the um, the websites where I got this from, because there are numerous websites and every one of them is filled with scams, from Craigslist to Roomster.com, all those people are just trying to screw you over and, hey, send me money and I'll send you the keys. I, I got that more times than I can imagine. Um, yeah, yeah, be careful. You yeah. get some nuts on. Uh, on Facebook, actually, there's several uh, gypsy websites. Um, so there's Gypsy Housing, uh, which is a, a Facebook group. There's Gypsy Furniture, and basically what this is is a lot of actors that move around and maybe they're going to go shoot in Atlanta for two months. They will put their room for rent for very, very little money, and they'll mention it. And because it's on Facebook, you get to kind of do a little background history on them, and they can do the same on you. And, yeah, and you're almost like sitting. Yeah, exactly. So that's that's been a, a godsend for it, and I highly recommend In fact, Angie from... Uh, um, Andrew McCormick, from uh, uh, who's been up in New York, uh, and she's down in Ocala now. She's the one who got me on that website, and that's that's. A she's on the road for the national tour right now, by the way. Is she? What's she doing now? Well, I, I'm trying to think. It's Peter Pan or one. Of, it's a national tour she's doing right now. Okay. Yeah, but you know, it's it's important. It's it's also good to have someone to have a couple of roommates because you can get a better place if you're sharing your rent. Can cover for each other. You've got mutual interest. The one goes out of town. You got some money watching the place. I mean, it's a lot of bennies. And you know, unless you're just at each other's throat, you should, you should have a, you know, a much better relationship. And you can get more for your dollar. I would think. Yeah, yeah, and that's that's pretty much the only way to make it, especially if you're you know you're single in the market, just trying to make things work. Um, and there's probably other places too. I mean, there's bulletin boards all over the web, but they got to be in not just for actors or, or young people or newbies to New York. Or I mean, it's going to be stuff for all the, most, the many schools in New York, the different colleges, universities. There's got to be bulletin boards where a lot of people are looking for roommates. You know? Yeah, yeah, there are. I mean, that's that's something I've noticed, especially about New York. There is whatever your tastes are, whatever your price range is. There's something to accommodate that. Yeah, if yeah. you're, you know, uh, there. It is one of those kind of cool cities. Um, now, you've lived in a couple uh, international cities before, haven't you? Oh, yeah. Yeah, quite a few. What was your favorite uh, as far as just having fun and getting things done? Oh, man. it's just I've just pretty much enjoyed them all. I just spent a month in uh, in Thailand and Myanmar here back in May. I was over there for a month and had a great time. I hadn't been there in a long, long time. But I, I lived uh, three, four different times in Asia and three, four different times in Europe. Uh, and I've enjoyed them all. I've had great times. I love Asia. Yeah, it's just a lot. What would you say um, to the average American who hasn't lived in Asia before? Is a major difference between, let's say, let's say New York City and uh, uh, parts of Asia that you've lived in? Well, just in general, that they're, they're it's an entirely different culture. Mm-hmm. They'll do something just opposite of what you do it. Not that either way is right or wrong. It's just they have different thought process. But but I respect them, and they're very hardworking and loyal and. Friendly and helpful. There's great people in Asia, but you, you really, uh, whether it's Asia, whether it's Europe, whether it's South America, I mean, as a young person, you need to travel. I mean, I was lucky. I came out of college and I went into the Navy. 
and I did a lot of traveling. But boy, it's so broadening. You get out, meet some other people, see some cultures. You know, even like you know, being in a big city like New York, you meet so many more cultural diverse people. It really broadens your your, your skills, even as an actor, are broadened by me. Oh yeah, like I I I'm a big believer in, in meeting as many people as you can, interacting as much as you can, and you know, really got a little bit New York. Yeah, experience. Oh yeah, yeah, you do. Yeah, I'm uh, uh, where I'm at right now is basically um, what they call Spanish Harlem. So, uh, you know, no, knowing Spanish is helpful. What's that? I think there's a rose there. A rose? Mm-hmm. There is a rose in Spanish Harlem. <laughs> huh? I don't remember that song. <laughs> is that West Side Story? Yeah. No, 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 no. It's not that time frame. Okay. All right. Uh, so we'll move on to topic number three. Um, now, I, I, I've. I labeled this as student films, but um, I think any not-for-profit or small-budget film kind of fits in this category. And the reason I bring this up is student films, are they worth doing? Are they beneath certain actors? Are they worth putting onto your resume? And all these questions um, were brought up by various actors that I met over the week uh, uh, working on student films. Um, People that are kind of new to the business, they're like, well, should I even mention I did this? I was a background person. I didn't have any speaking roles, or it was just a student film. It wasn't paid. No one's going to see it. And I'm brand new to this. Maybe you have a different impression. I think until you build up a full-fledged resume with lots of credits that are, let's say, standout credits, whether it be off-Broadway shows, Broadway shows, paid, paid, com- paid commercial, paid commercial. Say you put almost everything on there that you can. I think the more experience that you have on a resume, the better it looks to people just kind of, you know, perusing it. Um, because it shows that you're working, it shows that you're trying, it shows that you're getting out there. It shows that also, I think most importantly, it shows that you don't mind starting at the bottom and working your way up. Maybe you have a different right. way on that? No, it's, it's, uh, it may be a non-paying thing, but there's a lot of benefits. Even if you don't list them in the resumes, after you get further along and you have more important things to put, just the doing is worth it itself. Not only shows that you want to do it, but you always learn. You, you meet new directors, new casting people, new actors. It's all a learning experience. It's like going to auditions. I mean, you just do them and do them unless you're giving up something, you know, better to do it. But sure. if you've got time in your hand, you should be doing everything you can. It's all experience, and it all counts toward 20. And, and, and it's going to show in, in your personality and the way you, uh, the way you interpret roles, the way you do things. So it's all a great experience. And so student films, free films, auditions, everything you can do immersed in the business is, is the way to do it, I think. Yeah. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I've, I've met a couple actors recently that, um, I, I, I don't want to use the word jaded because, I mean, I'm, I'm just brand new to this and maybe they've, they're looking at it from after five or six years of trying and not finding success. Um, but they, I've talked to several that they think background roles are beneath them. Um, they think the same of many student films. And, um, I mean, Again, I don't know. You know, if I'm if this is the only source of income I have after five six years and it's not paying the bills and I'm you know I'm kind of giving up a little bit, I might be feeling the same way. But uh, I think as long as what I try to do whenever I go to an audition, whenever I go to a filming, even if it's a non-paying event, um, I try to meet the actors at the very least, um, the other people auditioning for the same role, and I try to get them involved into uh, the Facebook group that I've created, just because. Look, yeah, you might be trying out for the same role I'm trying out for, but if we stick together afterwards, congratulate each other, help each other out, help each other find good cheap uh, headshots or where to get some good eats or, or where to hang out or, 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 hey, these guys are casting and maybe you'd be interested in it, 
I think that's really the best way to build up a, a community, and that's how you also are going to get cast and stuff. Yeah, and I think you see a lot of that even at the community theater level. I mean, you're, you're sort of competing against each other for roles, but you're soulmates. I mean, you know, you get a role this time, somebody gets it next time, we all work together, support each other. I mean, it's different when you're doing it for a living, but still, you've got to make it. If you're not enjoying it, what the hell are you doing it for? Yeah, yeah, and that's, yeah, you, you hate seeing people who have, uh, who don't enjoy it anymore, um, because this, yep. this really is a business of, of enjoyment. It's not a job. Yeah. This is art, man. This is not a job. Yeah. You gotta love this, so you won't. You'll suck anyway. Yeah, yeah. I um, I was uh, I was watching a Nature Channel show today about uh, people who live in extreme uh, regions of the country and uh, or of the world. And so there was people living in the desert in the um, the Sahara and people living up in um, up in the Arctic. And the lifestyles they have and what makes them happy. For example, the people in the desert. For generations, and I mean many, many generations, they've been digging deep, deep wells, about 20 or so feet deep, um, and, and slowly connecting them. Uh, because there's, from when there used to be lakes and rivers in the Sahara before it all drained out, apparently there's still water, uh, liquid water, in the rocks, and it drains out into a little canal. And they can actually bring it into their own little oasis and have plants and gardens and and there's actual water in the Sahara. You have to dig for it. It's kind of crazy. Yeah. And where yeah. I was going with this is just like, these people have really hard lives. They're getting to dig in these terrible conditions where the place could collapse on them and kill them. And they're trying to fight for food. And what makes them happy is they get to have a watered plant. And here we are occasionally bitching because we didn't get the role we wanted. We didn't get enough pay. Yeah. You know, I mean, you got to be kidding me. Well, that's another thing that travel does for you. It shows you you got a pretty damn good we deal over really here. Okay? So yeah. You realize that makes you appreciate what you got. Yeah, I turn I turn the tap on my water fountain and it works. You know, that's that's impressive. Yeah. That yeah, that that should make you feel good right there. So, yeah. um, okay, uh, topic number four: navigating the subways. Now, I don't know if you've had to deal with subways in your life, but I have recently, and. Um, I have gotten to the wrong location at least eight times, <laughs> and I've learned, especially on the weekends, the conductors of the subways uh, tell time by using sundials because they <laughs> sure as hell are never on time, um, and they like to occasionally stop, and uh, when they're about to stop the sub, in between stops, so you can't like get off and go walk to where you need to, they just keep you in this hot, non-air-conditioned train, and you'll hear this announcement, Speed of technical difficulties, we're going to go ahead and stop the train. I should have been happy about it. <laughs> and I've heard that numerous times. Especially what drove me nuts was about a week ago, I heard that, and I was on the train going the wrong damn way, because when you're in these situations, and like there's a sub going this way, sub going that way, and you've got five seconds to figure out which way to go, and if you're not familiar mm -hmm. with that route, you're like, okay, um, north through Queensboro, over this way, this way. Okay, I'll go that way. What's downtown? What's downtown? Yeah, exactly. If, am I downtown now going uptown or am I uptown going down? Holy crap. Relative. Am I partially uptown? Or <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, I was up the time before last when I was up there. It was about this time of year, and I remember the joy, sheer joy of standing in the subway platform <laughs> 10 minutes and I'd eat till you got to the air-conditioned car. Yeah. Oh, man. Oh, but the subway's... I love them. I mean, I've done subways around the world. I've been all over. I just came back from Thailand with all the trains and, and systems. They have a lot of new stuff in that's good. Uh, in, in Japan, uh, the train systems are excellent. 
in yeah. Europe, obviously, right? The European, the German trains, and right, um, right. and all the and in London, the tube that you use are all great systems. Like New York is, is it's got nothing, it's got it on everybody. I mean, they've yeah. got such such a variety, so many available. Like you say, it's how they all figure out which one to take. But yeah. When I'm up there, I got my daughter to show me around or take me around. Uh, but now with all the the high tech, you get your GPS thing. Yeah, and you got your and you know, where am I? Where am I going? Until you get in the subway, and you can't pick up a signal. But yeah, it's actually gonna, pretty easy. I was going to name drop an app real quick on your on your phone. It's called Embark. E M B A R K N Y C. It's a free app, and uh, you get it on your phone while you're outside before you get into the train. And you put down yeah. uh, your destination, and a, and a GPS picks up where you already are, and it literally will uh -huh. tell you which train to get on, how many minutes you got in between stops, how to walk to, to your exact location. That has been a lifesaver, and thankfully I did find that after all the times getting lost. Um, oh, yeah, there's you've got all the entire New York City subway and bus systems on apps. You can pick them yeah. up in a heartbeat, and even with Uber. You know, you call up a car, it tells you, well, there's three cars within five minutes of you. They'll be there in two minutes. It shows you where you is. You track everything. It's, uh -huh. you know, it's great. Down in the, the, sun, the tunnel itself, you pick it all up. Well, and one of the things I had a friend of mine from Florida ask me recently, she said, uh, well, aren't you missing getting to drive your own car? And let me tell you, no. A clear and simple no. Look, for a well, That was one of my daughter's great joys was moving there from Orlando and driving around. I drive in all the theme parks to go up to New York and sell her car. She loved it. Yeah. She did, she did one car again. Um, for $110 a month, you can ride unlimited trains, unlimited buses, yep. and you never yep. never want to drive again. Um, for one, the roads all suck here. They're just terrible with potholes and all this. But just think of the money you save not having a car. Now, for me, I have really yeah, high interest rates. but I'm paying, Oh, I'm paying $400 a month on a car payment, $100 in insurance. You got gas, which is upwards of $50 to $100. Then you got maintenance. You're looking at six, seven hundred dollars just to own a car. And parking. Oh yeah, and that parking if you can find it. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, first of all, if you live in New York, you don't ever need to go anywhere the sub isn't going. And if for some reason you want to get out of the city, you rent a car for the weekend. Yeah, that's what my daughter did. They rented a van to go upstate. They did some camping and running around. Yeah. And you rent the van and bring it back. You know, it's all over. Much yeah. cheaper. Absolutely. So. Um, yeah, to anybody uh, that is not up in New York but is considering it, um, get your car up here and then abandon it because <laughs> you won't want to have it anymore. I already am ready to get rid of it. Thankfully, I haven't made a car payment in about six months, so they're ready to take it. <laughs> so, they can find it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, all right, so last topic. Um, this is uh, this one was kind of a I don't know altruistic topic. Uh, it's what is success. And I think um, I think at some point every one of us, not just in the acting profession, but just in any profession, uh, in any life, you need to ask yourself, what defines success to you? Is it making a ton of money? Is it just being with your name and lights? Is it having that first Broadway playbill? Is it uh, having a family or a loving wife? And I, I think a lot of people, they don't ask themselves this question, and so therefore they never really find the answer. I don't know if that sounded too deep for you, but... I mean, maybe you. No, no, I agree. I agree wholeheartedly. Your your success is whatever you say it is. Yeah. It's your personal thing, and if you set a goal to do something and you accomplish, but then you've had success. And maybe a small goal may not be mean to do what I've done, or vice versa. But if you know that I set this goal to do three auditions this week or whatever, and you did it, mm -hmm. you've had success. You may not get asked, but your goal was to be active and to do something. So right. I mean, you you you. Uh, 
you can't be, you got to define it by what you feel, what you want. If you're doing what you want, you're moving a few steps closer to it. You've had success. I think I, re I remember a quote when I was in college. It was a speech class. I think I forget where it came from. The Genesis, but the prof was saying uh, he's quoting this old black man he knew, and he says, uh, "Most reason most folks don't succeed is because they don't suck hard enough to get the seed." <laughs> got to set yourself little goals, you know. You've got you've to break it down. Say, this week I'm going to do three auditions, or next week I'm going to such. I'm going to buy headshots. So I'm going to do some step that's going to get me closer to what I'm trying to do. That's success. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Um, I think that's something that people need to set for themselves is those goals. And notice the difference between goals and dreams. Uh, I mentioned this earlier last week on my Facebook profile. Um, for example... I have a goal of auditioning for Saturday Night Live sometime next year. I have a dream of having uh, having my name and lights on Saturday Night Live. And so the goal is something that you can accomplish in a, in a specific amount of time. Here's what you need to do to, to get there. The dream is to make everything come together, the fruition of all that. You may not actually yeah. attain the dream realistically, but you're always aspiring to attain the dream. And for me, that is success. Um, yeah, you got all the little mini goals in between, and yeah. if you're achieving those, you're moving closer all the time. You may never get there all the way you, where you ultimately want to be, right. but you're moving toward it all the time, and that's where, that's what's supposed to make you smile. It's yeah. it's not a it's not an end thing. It's a it's a journey. Yeah, and you change your goals. You add to them. You modify them. You know, you, you, you what you want changes. But as long as you're doing something progressive and positive to get you toward them, then that's success right there. All right. Well, John, hey, I want to thank you very much for being on the inaugural uh, Green Actors Guide to Living in New York City podcast. Thank you for being my guest yes, host. Yes, sir. And, um, Great to be. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And here's what I'll, I'll make sure I do. Um, when we eventually cover politics, you will definitely be on the debate panel. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we're going to get 12-ounce gloves. Yeah, exactly. All right, buddy. Well, uh, thanks again so much. I do appreciate it. You bet. Take care of yourself, guys. All right, thank you. All right, everybody, so that was the show. Uh, again, I do apologize for the interview uh, volume levels. I'm sorry if that was difficult to listen to. That was not John's fault. That was just learning new software. I will get that figured out, and I'll make sure to have John back on for another interview in the future. Um, thanks so much. Please feel free to leave feedback, and if you're interested in being a guest host, let me know that too. And uh, we'll have another episode out next week, and go from there. Thanks a lot. Bye.